What makes a song perfect? Does it get stuck in your head? Give you all the feels? Make you get up and dance? Is it just personal taste? Join us as we attempt to answer these questions and more. This is The Perfect Song. In twilight glow I see Blue eyes cry in rain Hello, welcome to the Gen Explainers podcast, and this is The Perfect Song. And today we have a special episode. Uh, we'll be talking about a song by an artist being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the 2023 class. Um, that person is Willie Nelson, and the song we'll be discussing is Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. So uh, this song was released in 1975. It's, a, it's actually... Uh, a, a cover willie's song is a cover of a of a song written by fred rose back in the 40s uh and it has been covered by other artists um elon Britt. i'm looking at my little notes here roy acuff and uh hank williams senior johnny russell charlie pride and elvis presley covered this song but the most famous version is definitely the one that willie recorded for his album his concept album redheaded stranger and the song within that album uh depicts the uh the sorrow over the death of the the redheaded stranger the main character's wife um and that album's an interesting album um it was i think it was the first one he did after he renegotiated his contract with columbia and he had full creative control and so when he recorded the album he brought it to to columbia and played it for him and they were like oh well why don't you bring us the the album this is this is the demo right because the instrumentation was so sparse, they thought it was a demo. And he was like, no, this this is the album. Um, <laughs> they were nervous about releasing it, but they, they, of course, they did. And it was a huge hit for Willie, especially the single, uh, Blue Eyes Crying in the Rain. It became his first number one single uh, as, as a singer. And through the ages, I'll remember He had a career long before this writing for other people um, and was successful. He had uh, songs in the top, in the Billboard Top 20, many times before that as a songwriter. Hello, Waltz. Crazy, I'm crazy for feeling so lonely. Pretty pencils to write, I love you. Pretty paper, pretty ribbons of blue. And then, like, there was a 13-year, 10-year period where he wasn't getting any play at all. And then he put this album out and, you know, the single shot to, shot to number one, and he had a revival kind of of his career. This song, um, it did win the best uh, best country vocal performance in the at the 18th Grammys. And the winner is... Ooh, ooh, ooh. Give me this. 
So this song, actually, I first heard it was it was uh, probably uh, visiting my mom and and uh, my stepdad at the time liked country music. Now I'm not a huge country music fan, but in my formative years, back when I was 12, 13, I was exposed to a lot of it. And uh, Willie Nelson was a huge part of that. And I actually really got into it. Waylon and Willie, like Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson did collaborations at the time. And we used to listen to it a lot. Uh, and I probably heard this song around that time, sometime a bit after it came out. And, I, and it was on the radio quite a bit, I think. Uh, even on mainstream non-country radio, they play it. Um, so how about... How about you guys? What is your memory of this song? Had you even ever heard it? I don't know. Who wants to well, start? the first, first time I heard it was yesterday. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so I can tell you that um, about my experience with that, just listening to it mm -hmm. yesterday. <laughs> um, um, actually, I, when I searched it up, um, I listened to it via YouTube link. Um, and it was a, it said the official video, but it was a scene from the movie that it appeared in. Right. So, they did make so a I movie. Saw, I, I saw it with the movie scene first. Um, and so I'm like, oh, this is interesting. And I read what the movie was about and all this stuff. Like, oh. And then it gave me a different opinion on the song than probably what it's intended to be about. I, I thought it was because the movie is about he kills his wife. And, right, right. <laughs> and also, so I don't know if that's what the song is about necessarily, but um, that's my interpretation. When I was well, listening to it, I'm like, oh, well. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that because it was written years before by someone else. Yeah. He, he didn't yeah. have murder on his mind. But <laughs> no. You well, you know. never know. Yeah. yeah. But um, anyway, so um, I don't know. I. I really think that this is quintessential Willie Nelson, this this song. I mean, even though he didn't write it, he what I like so much about him is that you almost feel like that is the only version that exists when he makes us when he when he actually does a cover version or anything like that. It's almost like that's the version that you're always going to remember. And I find that I didn't listen to the other versions at all of this song, but other songs that he's done, um, I've always felt that way. Like uh other covers he's done and stuff like that. And so for me, this was quintessential Willie Nelson. And I, I never listened to the whole album. I know it was his biggest, one of his biggest albums. I've never listened to it. Um, so it's one that I'm going to have to go and listen to, but I really feel like this, when I listened to this, when I listened to the song yesterday, it just felt like, well, yeah, this, this is like totally in his wheelhouse. It seems like something that naturally comes to him to do songs like this. And it, and I think it works re really well. So yeah yeah my exposure to it is similar to yours matt i i don't think i, oh, I didn't hear it in 1975 or whenever it came out because i was seven um but i heard it through my father who loved redheaded stranger and this is some years later as i'm you know starting to go through his record collection as i'm awakening as a young you know music lover and he would play it as well, along with Waylon Jennings. Like you said, there was a lot of that kind of outlaw, uh, outsider country music that he he did like listening to. And so I, I that's when I first heard this and didn't know for many years that it was a cover and that it had been done by others. I think the only other version I can recall he, listening to is the uh, Hank Williams version which is also good i can see her star in heaven blue 
last crying in the rain. Uh, Hank Williams is a great artist, but it doesn't have the intimacy that this version has. And, and that could have a lot to do with, you know, it, you know, recording techniques and the age of the media that you're listening to it on. Right. But it's just so deeply personal in a yeah. way that, you know, I mean, this song is obviously a very personal song. It's about, depending on your perspective, it's either a love that has the love that has died or someone that you love who is dying or is, has died. Um, right. And it's a beautiful song. I will say that I usually listen to these songs that we do with my kids when possible, just to kind of get an impression from someone who doesn't know like the history of pop music or well, not that I know the history of it, but you know, it doesn't have all of that baggage of decades of listening to music. And so I did get the reaction of someone who also listened to it yesterday, <laughs> which was my daughter saying that song is really slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of lyrics to it, and no. it's very simple. Especially mm -hmm. this, his recording of it, I'm talking about. Uh, um, yeah, and like what you said about it being how you how you sort of take the song. Um, clearly, he had a concept for his album, you know, um, and the concept for his album came from another a song he used to perform and play when he was a DJ called uh, what was it called the, the Tale of the Red Headed Stranger, but he chose um blue eyes crying in the rain to be a part of this idea he had and he places it in a place in the story of the out al in the album where after he kills his wife for being in unfaithful so yeah. obviously the his use of this song is very specific and the way he yeah. records it is very purposeful and i think it's perfect Ooh, i said that word but i think it's the simplicity and the sort of the sparseness of the production and with the the slowness quote slowness and quietness of it in a way it fits perfectly with the lyrical content i think and and what he is using it for i mean it's a sad uh regretful and lonely kind of feel to it and i'll go back to something mike said about willie nelson owning things he does i mean this song is clearly like a classic country song you know very straightforward simple and sort of pleasing but Willie Nelson, I love Willie Nelson's delivery, his vocals, and it's it's great. I think his his vocal delivery is fantastic uh, in general, and also for the purpose of the song, in the context of the album. You know, it's kind of like the blueprint for a country song, but he just really does he does own it. Um, I actually have a quote from a country music historian, mm. Bill Malone. Uh, he calls it, quote, a fine example of clean, uncluttered country music. And he says it has a spare arrangement that could have come straight out of the 40s, which is when it was written, I think. But mm -hmm. um, but again, it you know, I had mentioned I'm not a big country fan. I don't listen to a lot of it, especially new. When I say new country, I mean the past 20, 30 years. <laughs> but I do like classic country like you know patsy klein or or you know willie nelson is even classic even though it's like the 70s um and even those really early ones like from the 40s that are just like cowboy ballads you know those i kind of enjoy but you know new country is just sort of 
twangy pop now. Kind of everything sounds the same. It's just kind of just they have like a knob that says, oh, make it country. Bring, you know. Um, what was that noise? Bring. Okay. Add the twang. Bring. This song is sort of a typical country song, completely owned and reshaped by a great artist in Willie Nelson. And uh, perfect for the album it's in. And I really enjoy it. Anything else we want to say about it? Uh, I would just add, and this is more about the song, not the Willie Nelson version. Uh, interesting trivia. This is the last song that Elvis Presley played the day he died. He played it on the piano at Graceland. And wow. this is the last song he played. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. This um this version is so spare and it's so like, I, I have never heard the Conway Twitty version of this song, for example, but I have to imagine there's more uh, layers of production upon it. And, and yeah, no, I, I, I agree. Wait, Elvis Presley died. I'm so Wait. sorry. I'm so sorry, Mike. Yeah. He died um, like 45 years ago. Yeah. Well, he at the very least, he has left the building. But um, <laughs> we hope you're enjoying this Gen Explainers podcast. Remember to find us and follow us on social media. Give us a like, a follow, or support us on Patreon. And we'd much appreciate a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. Now, let's get back to the show. Someday when we meet up yonder So now we've come to the part where we vote, where we voice our opinion on whether it's perfect. Now I chose this one. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and say that it is most definitely a perfect country song. And I'm also going to say it's, it is a perfect song in general in a wider context. I, I think it uh, is just right. And it is perfect. Mike. <laughs> well, um, I think it's a perfect Willie Nelson song. <laughs> um, and I'm going to qualify it that way. Uh, I really like the song, but I don't think it's a perfect song. I, I, uh, as in, in the context of all music kind of thing. Um, I do really enjoy it and I love the poeticism of it and, and the way he does it. And you're right about the vocals. I I've always liked his vocals in general anyway. So um, even his later songs too, it's like, he's always been really consistent with what he does, but I just, I think this is a perfect Willie Nelson song. He did a great job with it and he owned it. I just don't think it's a perfect song. So. All right. Um, I will uh, come down on the side of uh, perfect. I think it is very uh, simple and, and in, in its simplicity, you know, expressing a very, I don't know how to put this. It's it's such a complex emotion, whether this song is about someone who has you love who is passing or is dying as, you know, 
uh, many people think this song is about. And obviously in the context of the movie and the, shall we say, country opera that uh, Willie has created in Redheaded Stranger, that is definitely the case. Um, but it's also been argued that the song in general is just about recognizing that a love is over. Either way, that's a pretty uh, deep, complicated feeling. And it's treated with, I think, a real intimacy and a real uh, simplicity that uh, is incredibly powerful. So I, I will say it is. And, yeah. and you both hit you both hit on something that probably if I had listened to the entire album as a, as a whole, I might feel different about the song, but I've only listened to the one song. And so like, since it is a concept album uh, and Matt, you were saying where it places in the album, and all that stuff. It's just, it, it, I might feel different about it at that point too, because I, because the whole album might be something that would be like something discussed as a perfect album kind of thing. If we ever did mm -hmm. that, you know, kind of thing. Sure. So I don't know, you know, and also, I think you first heard it while having to watch Willie Nelson try to act. So <laughs> that that is true. That is true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So well, going back to what Alan was saying about simplicity, I was actually yeah thinking the same thing. It's like a very universal but very complex kind of emotion. Sometimes simplicity is the best way to kind of attack these kind of things. You know, I mean, uh, it's just very straightforward and heartfelt. It feels heartfelt. It goes right to the heart of the matter. And, uh, and yeah, and the delivery is spot on for that. So yeah, the simplicity thing, I think simplicity used as a tool to make the song work, uh, goes, I think goes a long way for me, uh, because, because it's by choice, you know, it's by design. I'm going to, mm -hmm. it's, it's simple and I'm going to make it sparse and I'm going to, you know, just get down to it and it works for what I'm trying to do with the song. So, so I stick oh. by it anyway. Yeah. I would also add the brevity of it. I mean, is this song even two and a half minutes long? I don't, I don't, no. I don't recall the actual uh, two nineteen. Yeah, exactly. So it's just it's in there. It's simple. It gets in. It gets out. Um, yeah, no, I think it's very powerful for those two reasons. Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. There's our votes. Um, get out there and listen to uh, "Blue Eyes Cry in the Rain," and maybe just listen to the whole album. See what you think. A little anti-hero, you know supposed to feel bad for him he just killed his his wife and her lover <laughs> so it's a sticky it's a tricky situation but anyway yeah uh thanks for listening and uh we will talk to you again very soon goodbye bye bye thank you for listening to this gen explainers podcast follow us on instagram and friend us on facebook just search for Gen Explainers and find us on Patreon, where you can support the channel and gain access to extended cuts of the podcast as well as exclusive bonus content. See you next time.